to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. I am Becca Kephart, and I am so excited to have with me today, here in the studio, Team Ace. That's Anna. <laughs> Anna, how are you doing tonight? I'm happy to be here. And Crispian. Crispian, Hello. how are you? Hi, I'm fine. And Liz, short for Elizabeth, the E in Team Ace. How are you? Delighted. <laughs> awesome, guys. We're uh, all here at the same time. And excited. I know. Everyone's been here before, <laughs> but never at the same time. So there you go. <laughs> we're not we're not Superman and Clark Kent. There really are. Yeah, right, there are. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, y'all. Well, we will start with our first segment, like we always do. What you've been disking, where each one of us talks about something disc golf related that we are excited about. Crispy and what you got? Um. So I. Well, two things. First, I have played four rounds now since I got cleared so after happy. carpal tunnel surgery. So played my fourth round um, yesterday. Um, and then actually right before I got cleared for carpal tunnel surgery, I took over the uh, Monday night um, Kansas City Disc Golf Divas Divas yeah, League did. at Rosedale. Um so we have Divas League on Monday nights at Rosedale. Um, and so far, the best night we've had, we had 15 yeah. women and juniors out. So that's pretty exciting. So yeah. I'm doing that now. That's awesome. I'm so excited about that. I Thanks. love it. All right, Anna, what you got? Um, I think that I can't remember uh, what round it was, but I think I had my highest rated round in the somewhat recent uh, history it was 833 yeah dude so yeah that's a big accomplishment yeah. for me uh mm. granted i'm i wish i had had those every time that i played but i should just be <laughs> thankful for when they do know, happen right? so oh the struggle is real <laughs> yeah uh i'll be curious to see how our traveling league round yes. turned out turned out, you I, tore three, it up. It was I, awesome. three birdies I was, right. yeah that doesn't happen all in one round for me so that that was a good round so Friday was a good round. Saturday, meh. But yeah, take take the good with the bad, I guess. Yep. So, um, and then I got a Zuka cart and I tried it out for the yeah. first time for the second round and uh, at the Crestview Cup on Saturday and am learning that there are like nuances mm -hmm. that you need to understand about Zuka cart ownership and <laughs> I feel like there should have been a manual provided right? or instructions and I would have mitigated some of the issues I <laughs> I mean mm -hmm. I think that it's going to be a a good thing in the long run but a, the wheel nub came off and then a, right. then there's this little right. tiny metal screw that is lost now and I'm going to have to figure out how to get my Zuka cart functioning again but if once I get past that hump, it's going to be a good thing, I think. Take note, everyone, you are supposed to tighten the knobs on your wheels all the time. Mm -hmm. This was not told to me, and my cart is now in disrepair because what happened to you happened to mm -hmm. me at the farthest point of Blue Valley, I Missouri disc golf course. Yes. <laughs> It was quite the crisis. I had to abandon it, it and so like carry bad. the backpack. Anyway, oh, Lord. but you're, I, I was happy yours turned out better. Yes, we were lucky. Liz had a, a divine intuition that uh, the Mark Miller, who is on one of the cards <laughs> behind us, she's like, "Hey, Mark's your friend. He probably has it. You should go ask him." And lo and behold, nice. he was the one that happened to pick it up. Thank goodness, because. 
we all would have had a miserable round right. after that with me just like constantly trying right. to keep the wheel on my cart yep. the whole rest. But I, I do think it's going to really help my shoulder because, yeah. you know, I tore it uh, a couple or I've probably up to a couple yeah. years ago now, yeah. like getting there at least. Um, so I think that that will be good relief there. But uh, so I am excited about that. Oh, and we should also thank uh, Olivia Kate's husband, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. He was really helpful walking along, helping to get the cart back together and keep it going. So he's awesome. Yep. He, he kept our round alive. Thank, thank you, Mark and Jeremy both. <laughs> right on. All right, Liz, what you got? Bear with me. Cause I'm getting to it. Um, uh, two weeks ago, my husband found a mama cat and five kittens outside our house. They have now taken up residence in our basement apartment, which is awesome. And because we are now spending so much time down there, that is where all my discs had been moved. So my husband has started sorting through my discs. <laughs> and this is a good thing because my discs are not organized in any fashion. And so now we are getting to that point. And I actually found a number of discs that I'm like wiping the stamps off of because uh, Therese uh, Barker Babcock, our mandala artist extraordinaire, told me how to do it. And she also kind of told me the basics of how she makes her mandalas. Mm-hmm. And she's suffering from carpal tunnel right now. So in order to have a backup for the starlight turn that Anna got for me two years ago and had Therese decorate, in order for me to be able to do that, I, I realized I'm going to have to like try and decorate it myself. So I would like to ask all the listeners if you decorate your own discs in any fashion. Like I know that Susie Zell draws dragonflies on her discs and they're really cute. So I would be interested in seeing pictures of whatever unique little things that you do to your discs to make them yours. Awesome. Yeah. So. All right. I am excited about getting out of my slump. <laughs> like the last three weeks just... I don't know. I know why, because just awesome other life things have been happening. But like, I just haven't felt super comfortable. And I played with Anna on Friday and probably had like the worst rated round that I've had in a super long time. I really felt for yeah, you. Yeah, we've all been there. Struggle bus day. And like, it's nice because I haven't played disc golf for a super long time. But I've played long enough now that I've like gone through slumps before and, and come out of them. Because like, really at the end of the day, all disc golf is, is body control. Like that's it. And it's just having the mental tenacity and the muscle memory to execute that body control on every shot, every time. And like, I just haven't had it lately. Um, but I feel like I'm already coming out of it. I went back out yesterday and played some on my own and kind of reclaimed some of my, my timing and my feel and things like felt much better. So I've got a good plan in place for how I'm going to practice and how I'm going to work. And I'm just really looking forward to uh, the Mac, which is my next tournament with several of you. All right, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we will do some trivia juniors disc golf edition. Ladies First Disc Golf is the most comprehensive retailer for women's disc golf needs. With over 50 five-star reviews on Google and Facebook, listen to what their customers have to say. Veronica B says, I love the selection they have. Discs popular with women can be hard to find, but not here. I love the t-shirts and hoodies. I live in them. 
Nikki N says, I love every product I've gotten from LFDG. Customer service is fantastic and fast shipping. If you are looking for stylish and comfortable disc golf apparel and discs for women disc golfers of all skill levels, Ladies First Disc Golf has your needs covered. For Ladies of the Chains listeners, we're offering an exclusive 20% off discount on your next order of $19 or more. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com and use code LOTC20 at checkout. And we're back. So this upcoming week is Junior's Worlds. And I want to give a shout out and thank you and all the love to Ava and Maddie that took over our podcast a couple Great weeks job, ago. ladies. And hopefully it's apparent by now I found my way out of the locked closet. But anyway. Those <laughs> <laughs> little bullets. Man. So funny. So we are going to do Junior's Disc Golf trivia so the way this works is i'll ask you three questions if you know the answer shout it out if not i will make you at least guess and it's okay (laughs) because like i was mentioning to y'all earlier i don't think anyone's actually gotten any of these like totally correct yet so i'm apparently making these really hard all right so question number one two women have won world titles both as juniors and in FPO. Who are they? Peach Beer Kiss. Oh, um, um, uh, uh, gosh darn it. <laughs> Valerie Val Jenkins. Jenkins. That's, hey. what was, that's what I was trying to get. I was like, I, was saying, I kept thinking Jenkins, Jenkins. is my husband's last name. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling y'all would get there on that one. So yeah, Val won in High 2001 five. her junior world title. And, of course, she won FPO in 2007, 2008, 2009, and 2016. And then Paige Birkis won her junior title in 2010 and is our current reigning world champion. So that's really neat. And I would certainly expect as the sport grows, I mean, we're still so young that we'll, we'll see that a whole lot more. Some more of that. For sure. Yeah, definitely. All so right. that's one reason to watch uh, what's happening on the junior world's front. Right. Right now there are... Uh-huh. Uh, Pro champions of tomorrow. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Question number two. How many girls are signed up for Junior Worlds this year? Mm, this is 12. a 12. Chris, we've got 12. Anna, you want to give me a number guess? Uh, oh, <laughs> just shout out a number. Girls? That's probably more than that. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say 23. Anna? 36. Crispian? 40. Anna's closest, it's 34. <laughs> nice. And that's 16% of total competitors, which right. is still kind of low, but I mean, that's double our normal PDGA percentage. The, rep- the representation in PDGA is like 10% or 9%. So we're getting up, yeah. We're moving up. up. Yeah. Um, and that's up from 27 that played last year. So that's, that's awesome. exciting that it's growing. Hooray! Yeah, definitely. Now, this is a really interesting question to me, and I'll elaborate on it a little bit in a minute. But how many girls competed in 2017 before they split off into Junior Worlds being its own thing? Give me some number guesses, y'all. Twelve. Anna? Uh, (laughs) Forty-two. Just kidding. (laughs) That doesn't probably make sense. Um, Seventeen? I'm back to my twenty-three. 
So I know the caps were really low. Yeah, that's what I remember. They it was were ridiculous. Like three Next time I do any kind of trivia, I'm going to get Anna on my team because she's like really feeling these guesses. I'm yeah. like super impressed because it was 18. 18. All right. But, but if yeah, my price gonna... is right rule, right. <laughs> I would be losing the showcase. I can't. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't remember what we decided on prices, right? Rules. But anyway, um, yeah. And I the reason why I think that's super interesting is that just Junior Worlds itself, since it's broken off to its own thing in, in Emporia has just exploded. There's like 220 competitors this year. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think, been, you know, Maddie and Ava talked about it from their perspective, which was really cool to hear that I think our juniors are just really stoked to have something that's focused on them mm-hmm. and catered to them. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Doug Bierkus is an amazing TD and doing a great job. So definitely follow along, pdga.com. Um, I think the disc golf guy might be out there again this year. Uh, and yeah, just, just pay attention. I'll certainly post some of it as well. There'll be some coverage and, and things to follow along for Junior Worlds this upcoming week. I also wanted to give a shout out to Ava Meyer. She played in FJ15 yeah, she did. yesterday, and and so I think she's 10. There yep. was a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, and she whooped them all. <laughs> so, so cool. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you good job, Ava. That's right. That's awesome. It's like, oh, you came in and Beat up those girls for their she lunch money. She just came off of like 10 days or 15 days in, in Disney World or whatever, right. too. Right? Yeah. Maybe Ought to have that youthful energy. I've asked each one of my co-hosts to bring a topic for this week. So, Liz, why don't you get us started? So, I was curious um, about um, match play. We have our team challenge. And in Kansas City, we've got an east side and a west side that come together every year for a team challenge. And historically, there's been maybe one women's slot. The last couple of years, they got up to two. There for a while, they didn't have any. It's been a little contentious, I think. But we haven't had a lot of women even trying out to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, meantime, this year for the first time, Dynamic Discs, uh, United States Amateur Match Play has added a women's doubles division. And the Emporia bracket has filled up with eight teams. But here in Kansas City, we're struggling. We're up to three teams. And I've uh, asked for some input on the Facebook page to kind of see what was going on in the rest of the country and the world. But I know... Around here, the number one reason I've been hearing for why more women aren't signing up is the cost. Yep. And it occurred to me that, well, it's a fairly well-known statistic that women earn maybe <laughs> 75% of their male counterparts. Mm-hmm. And I wondered why we're, we're still paying the same amount. Right. So that was just something to toss out there and think, hmm it's maybe not that surprising that young women who are competing aren't able to fork out. Yeah. I mean, we don't always even pay $40 yeah, for right. a, like a B or a C tier tournament. Right. And this is, yep. you're guaranteed one round of competition. Right. And if you lose, that's it. You're out. You don't yep. get anything else. Yeah. So, 
So two things about that. Uh, first of all, we should probably talk a little bit about what match play is in case people aren't familiar with it. And I love match play. Oh, how I adore match play. I <laughs> wish there were more tournaments that had match play because, <laughs> you know, we talk a lot about being able to shake off bad holes. And that is match play because it just goes hole by hole. And whoever scores better on each hole gets the point. So it's not cumulative like we usually play disc golf, which is fantastic. So if I get an eight on a hole and the person I'm playing against in match play gets a two, they win that hole, but it's gone forever. And I don't have to think about the fact I just got an eight. I can just move on and try to win the next hole. Uh, so it's a really, really fun way of playing. Um, and to your, your other point, like we all love dynamic discs here. Uh, but yeah, I, the, the cost of it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, because basically it's $40 per person and you get two discs and one guaranteed round. And that really doesn't compute. And also like looking at what the, the payout is, if you make it to the championship and everything, um, also just financially doesn't make sense. There's not really, I don't feel like a significant return on investment, uh, for me as a player, but it's worth it to me for the experience. And like this kind of goes into a whole nother tangent we could get into about what disc golfers are willing to pay for an experience. Cause kind of going back to dynamic discs, right? Like the stadium experiences that they've been doing have been so incredibly successful and they're really cool, but they are really, really expensive. And so I think there's just a market reality right now of kind of testing out what people are maybe willing to pay to have certain experiences. But I absolutely think that we have the women here in Kansas City that we could fill this up in no time. But I think, A, the cost is intimidating, and B, the format can be super confusing because it makes it seem like you have to play on a Wednesday night at a certain course. And that's just like the default. You have a whole week to go play wherever you want. Like the match play is just on your honor, basically that your team goes like your doubles team goes and plays against another doubles team at a course of your choosing at a time of your choosing. You just have to make it happen and then report what happens. That's all it is. Um, but I think that can be like, because it was confusing to me at first. Like, can I even do this? Do I have the time? Um, but I love the idea of it. I absolutely, like, am willing to do it for the experience. But So, you know, there's another thing that we're not talking about. If this is, we're going to talk about women's, women's issues specifically related to disc golf. There, you know, we bring up the, the financial issues related yeah. to women's incomes, but there's also the issue of women and families and right. family responsibilities right. and household responsibilities. Yep. And like, I don't even have kids and people can say whatever they want <laughs> and talk whatever trash they want if I go into this topic. But basically, if we know that historically women have a harder time spending money on themselves, right. having kids or not having kids, it's yeah. just a thing. If you're a caretaking type woman, it's, there's all kinds of studies and articles and whatever about it. Yeah. Also, women tend to take on more of their household or family responsibilities. Yeah. So are they willing to then go, mm, I'm going to go into this match play knowing that there's a chance that I might have to then start spending all this extra time sure. doing it. So I think that's also another factor. Absolutely. I mean, for me personally, I suck So right now. <laughs> so that's why I'm not uh, signing up. Um, and I'm dead serious. Like, you know, that's my, I mean, if I was uh, playing better, maybe, mm -hmm. but I'm not. So anyway. True match play story, though, funny match play story about how fun match play can be since it's hole by hole. You know, you play until, like, unless you're, like, 
they're like, you know, skit, you know, got you by like five holes, obviously there right. you can play pretty far into a round. So I got to play match play, casual match play with, um, right before I had surgery with Tavish Cardiff and her husband, Fred Smith mm-hmm. and crazy John Brooks and me. So Tavish <laughs> and crazy John played on a team and me and Fred played on a team oh. and Tavish and craze are both world champions. Me right. and Fred are not. And we took them all the way to the last hole. So I just want to point out the yeah. front of match play. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a really good point because I think another reason why some women aren't going to sign up is because we are just coming from a smaller pool of players in general. And it's easy to like, look at it and be like, well, I know we're not going to win. So why even, you know, and there is, there's a much greater chance in match play for anything, you know, to happen. Um, but that's that is a factor true. as well. And I think three years ago was the first time that I did East versus West. And I was playing on the West side that mm-hmm. year Tavish was the woman on the east side and mm. I actually it came down to the final hole mm. but I ended up winning that one sure. which she's a world champion <laughs> yeah. for crying out loud yeah. it was a miracle yeah so so let's talk a little bit more about the team play and how that works Anna have you done the team play stuff before the match play no the the team challenge so the Kansas City team challenge have you done that like these first yes yeah. um I have not and okay. um it I this year it was supposed to be July sixth oh. and seventh, and like I, you know, when they announced the schedule, yeah, in like December or whatever, I had earmarked that weekend. Right? I'm like, I'm going to help this year because I know it's been um, an issue where they've been debating eliminating mm-hmm. the women's spots because they say there's not enough interest, mm-hmm. and I'm just. Other years, I've had other priorities, sure. like other plans that I had already made in advance. So I made sure, like, well in advance mm. that I was going to try to help support this effort because I do think it's important. But then uh, I think another issue with people signing up for the last conversation is yeah. just busy adults have varying schedules. Yeah. And it's hard to get, you know, everybody coordinated. Absolutely. So like, so since they uh, did the e- they moved the East versus West to yeah. August 23rd yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. So... I, I don't know if I'll have enough PTO if I have right. to take time off on Friday. I would like to help participate, yeah. but I guess I'd need to get some more. The, the Friday event's actually after work. Okay. It's then in the evening. Which I, means I can't do it. Oh. <laughs> Darn you, non-traditional <laughs> schedules. Yeah, it's so usually close. like Friday at 530 mm-hmm. or whatever, and then Saturday there's usually two rounds. So. All right. Well, then I just need to know when I can yeah. try out, and I might be able to participate oh, if I uh, get in then. Well, so to that end, I'm working with the Kansas, I know the West Side team captain, on trying to figure out qualifiers and have put it out to yeah. You know, Facebook, obviously, I'm a, a Kansas woman, but I'm not against trying to help, you know, as far as the Missouri. But yeah. but but typically and historically, you are to qualify on a course in your home turf. So I right. run a course. I mean, I run a league in Kansas, so we'll right. probably use that as a women's qualifier yeah. if we want. If the east side, you know, Missouri team wants to use Divas League as a qualifier, that's fine, too. I don't care. But that's just historically how it's done is you qualify on a course on your home turf. So, like, they've used minus wide open, which is a whole other right. deal. Like, they, they for the overall qualifiers for men, they use, like, the, you know, top two people in wide open or whatever. But um, anyway, so to your end about or finding, you know, women to play, I'm trying to work on getting some qualifiers or figuring out when the next one we can do a qualifier for women and get the most women out. But trying to draw out that interest. So this is... 
a great time to talk about it. Obviously, I know our podcast isn't just in the Kansas City area, but... Yeah. So talk a little bit about the the event itself, like how the team play works okay. and all of that. Yeah. So um, basically you have to qualify for your team's spots. I think I can't remember how many spots there are now, Liz. You probably know. Um, usually there have been 16, 16 men's spots that's what I thought, and yeah. then either two um, they're doing two women's and one alternate i think is the plan for this year are they because yeah. the last i yeah. had heard is they were going to cut it down to just one woman's spot no, and one I alternate mean, that that would be um news to me but it's possible that that's the case but at any rate um so there's you know these uh you qualify for a team whether you live in kansas or missouri and you have to be within like a 55 mile, mile radius sure. or something like that um so each team has a captain, um, and you qualify for your team. And on Friday, the uh, you know there'll be a, a course chosen by the um, Missouri team, I believe, and then Saturday it'll be chosen by the Kansas team since Kansas lost last year, or is it the other way around? I think this I, year they they flip flop every year so yeah. this year we'll start in kansas and finish the, in missouri all the gotcha. details are you know whatever <laughs> yeah. point being is we play at courses yeah. um and then yeah the team that obviously wins so match play there's um singles play there's doubles play okay. and then there's going to be um doubles and the doubles um you know there's, it follows different formats um okay. so they'll do, do some alt shot and so anyways, you play some some singles match play, some doubles match play, okay. and then um, each team you get a point if you win that match. If it's a, if it's a tie, then each team gets a half point. And then at the end, the team who has the most points wins the team cha- Kansas City team challenge. So is it so it's all either doubles or singles mm-hmm. match play then? Mm-hmm. Okay. Usually, and the way ours has been is that the first round is best shot doubles. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they they all get together. I mean, the the captains get together and they do this snake draft. And so whoever goes first will say, "This is my first doubles team," and the other one will say, "Okay, then I'm so-and-so. then I'm gonna put this team to play with them." And then my next team is this, and the other captain chooses their team to play against them, and so on okay. down. And then they do this. Let's see, our second round is alt shot. Which is a little different because modified. you, yeah, or modified alternate shots so that one player tees off on all the odd tees, the other one tees off on all the evens. But you, instead of choosing which shot, just I throw, you throw, I throw, you right. throw. And the alt shot is usually mixed doubles. Okay. Um, for the for, as far as a there's a women's team, there's mm-hmm. there's a men's alt shot and then a right. women then a mixed doubles alt shot. Okay. So that's fun. Hmm. Matt and I played a fun trivia fact. Matt and I played on the Kansas team for two years. We were the first husband wife. <laughs> there have been couples, but we were the first husband wife. Very nice. <laughs> so I'm getting really interested in team play because uh, it's kind of new to me. And Sarah Nicholson, who I know listens to the podcast, I'm hoping that she's going to be my guest for next week. And she just ran a team event. So we're going to talk about this topic a whole bunch more with her. I'm really excited Excellent. for that. Yeah. Well, and also, I want to thank Sarah Hibbs. Um, yes. She posted a really good response, um, and it addressed a lot of the issues that we've been having um, over the years, and one of which was 
not that many women feel as comfortable competing on that level with all the bros and yeah. that it, se- it seems like they're generally the guys end up recruiting like whatever pro or advanced woman is willing to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so she's starting this year her own women's match yeah. play event. Yeah. Comp- like they're her own team competition so that there are women from all different uh, ratings levels, like one seven fifty and under, one eight hundred and under, eight fifty, and so on, and so that you are definitely playing against yeah. someone of your level. I encourage anybody to go out and read her full yeah. um, post about it or her full comment because she's it was really super organized yeah. and well thought out. Definitely. All right, let's move on. Anna, what you got? The importance of disc golf etiquette. Uh, it's a topic that strikes home for me because I lost a dear friend. <laughs> uh, our, our friendship uh, deteriorated after some bad disc golf etiquette. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'll try to tell a shortened version of this, but uh, she was new to disc golf and I was well-versed. I, I was her, I, I felt like I had established my role in our experience as being the tour guide. Um, and uh, hole 14 at water. Well, actually before hole 14 at waterworks, we had, um, we were playing, uh, we were going to allow a group of fellows to play through and then they just continued to play with us for several holes. And they themselves, I don't think were very well versed in disc golf etiquette either. So just lots of standing around and talking on the fairway when Mm -hmm. now there's groups accumulating behind us and the agreement was that they were going to play through so uh at one point they start losing discs on off of the left side of uh 14's fairway and I just kind of politely waved and said well thank you for your company gentlemen but we are going to keep moving along and at that point there was probably three different cards that were just waiting on the tee pad at <laughs> the top of hole 14. So um, I guess at that point, then this is like maybe details that aren't as important, but my friend uh, thought that it was rude that I disengaged from the other group and that I wanted to keep uh, things moving. Sure. She wanted to, I think she was enjoying the gentleman's company and sure. just wanted to lollygag and, you know, just you know, have a a fun walk, a leisurely walk in the park. But I think that for the fact that she was unaware that it's uh, a a disc golf faux pas to hold up other people's uh, rounds and their enjoyment in their day, Mm -hmm. that um, if, if she had, if I had done a better job of educating her, then maybe we wouldn't have gotten into the argument that uh, followed. (laughs) So, um, so that's why disc golf etiquette can be very important is you want to maintain your friendships and relationships. So, um, but there's, uh, yeah, there's other ways too where just people don't know. It's just some, yeah, little things like that, like faster groups should play through and stuff like that. So if we can help educate Mm -hmm. everyone who's maybe new to disc golf, uh, this might help them not get themselves into a pickle where there's, you know, any kind of tension between them and other people out on the course. And then not only for just casual rounds of disc golf, but also disc golf etiquette when you're um, playing in a tournament, you know, like when is the appropriate time to take scores 
after you've completed a whole. Yeah. Um, yeah, just lot there's this could be a very deep and wide topic if oh, yeah. we if we wanted to go there. <laughs> so And I have to give a shout out to Rhonda Crosby because I feel like I would have been so screwed if it wasn't for her. Um, cause in my very, very early days of playing and coming out to league at Swope back in the day, like she, you know, we all know Rhonda and she's amazing. And she, I think has a really good way of, of communicating without making you feel bad. <laughs> cause like, uh, one thing that I did until, and I see it all happen all the time. And it's really, I think very important is that when we, if I was keeping score, I would say, okay, you had a three, right? And Rhonda was like, okay don't do that. Like, because you never want to assume someone's score. You want to make sure that, you know, they're responsible for counting it because maybe they had a four and maybe you're wrong and you need to make, you know, them be responsible for it. Uh, to your point about when to take score, I didn't, I would like, as soon as we like completed the whole, I'd be like, uh, scores, what's happening? Um, but you want to wait till the next tee pad, call I, out, call out the hole, go in order, make sure you get everybody. I agree with that as well because I also one of my things that I really like doing is uh, phone backup right. during a tournament, and so um, if people start asking for scores as we're walking along right. from one hole to the next, You're then I'm trying them. to fumble to get my phone out mm -hmm. and also do the backup at the same time, and then it just results in me having them repeat everything that they had just said. Yep. And then also, yeah, um, you don't want to do it like by the basket after right. you've just completed that hole, because guess what? There's people that are waiting on you to throw as well. So I, yeah, I believe that what you just said is the correct way. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and also you should read back the score Yes. after it's like, okay, uh, Becca got it. You say hole one, Becca, and Becca says? 42. <laughs> okay, Becca got a 42. Or we might say, are you sure it was a 42? Let's walk that back. I thought it was only 41. And so on. But And just m making sure that everyone's in agreement and that's something that should typically be resolved before you start throwing yes. the next hole. Absolutely. Yes, that's another good point too because as I was teeing off during a round, that's when people were calling my score that I had just turned in for the last hole into question. And it's like, that should have been settled before any of us had started throwing on the next hole. So that was a distraction for me and ended up causing me to have a lot of tension and emotion as I was trying to focus on throwing my next hole. So I agree with that too, that everybody should be in agreement after the hole is over and then you move on. Um, and then another point, to that I noticed too so when people and also during the same round people had uh said to me well we thought that you had a different score um and I think since I was still new to tournaments mm -hmm. at that time and I noticed this now from other people that people immediately go to the defensive so I immediately got defensive right and I uh it turns out that I did forget a stroke because sure. like my drive was extremely short, so it was very forgettable. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, that wasn't a real drive. Right. Everybody does it. Yeah, yeah. but I, so I want to say now, and I, I, I'm not, sh I'm trying to think of like the best way to help diffuse high emotions in these mm -hmm. situations, but I think people who are well-versed in tournaments understand now yeah. that this is like normal, that yeah. um, your, your score may be called into question and it's not, attack against you as a person, but it's just more of a, we want to make sure that we're getting the score written down correctly. So, um, 
and I, I think that's just something that you kind of learn in time. But it's it's important to try to not be accusatory and to try to be like well mannered and delicate when bringing that into question because especially people who aren't used to it, they they the the first instinct mm-hmm. is to like get upset and nobody wants that. So mm-hmm. I want to bring up a couple things. I'm going to do a self call out and then call something else out. So <laughs> one thing that I think it's very easy for me to do and easy for everybody to do in tournaments is forget where everybody else is as they're playing. So like, for instance, I get a little excited about disc golf. I don't know if that's already apparent, but sometimes <laughs> when somebody on my card makes like an awesome putt or does something great, I will maybe yell a little bit, right? And I've tried to get away from that, like less outbursts, like still being excited and congratulatory because the guy on the next hole that is within earshot who's in the middle of trying to make a really important putt, that's not great for them, you know, like... The pros, I think, get used to the galleries and the applause and everything. But just being conscientious of, oh, hey, I need to not walk across this fairway right now because (laughs) this other card is throwing. And it kind of brings to mind uh, the Crestview Cup last year where I was on a card with Liz. And Liz was about to putt to force a tie in a playoff. And there was another player that was done with their round. It wasn't even thinking about like the fact that they were walking right behind where Liz was about to putt and making a ton of noise. I think they even said hi to Liz and it's like, guys, we're not done yet. <laughs> like You need to be aware that, you know, other people are still trying to execute and have a good round too. And it's so easy. I know. I, and since that moment, I've tried to be really conscientious of it because it's easy, especially at the end of a tournament where you've played two rounds where you're just like, Oh, it's cool. It's over. I can just relax and like be aware that maybe not everybody's done yet. Oh, I was just going to say one thing, one distinction I think that you also need to make is the distinction between disc golf etiquette and tournament etiquette. Sure. So the, just the PDGA manual and and the disc golfers code are all yeah. really good references for that. Yes. Obviously, we're not going to read them on the show, but yeah. I would just say that, you know, there's a difference between just basic disc golf etiquette, basic, you know, casual course etiquette. Yeah. Um, even something as simple as like announcing, hey, we're going to do a ready play because sons, you know, I mean, just whatever. So there's right. that there's that casual or just regular etiquette versus term etiquette. We need to make but to decision. your point, make sure everybody knows, yeah. you know, like right. I right. want to play serious today because I'm practicing for this tournament. Just so you know, I'm going to be keeping my own score and I would like for you to make sure that you're treating this like a tournament today. Right. Or we're just out here to have fun and we're just playing mob golf today, but we're going to still be conscious that we can't hold other people up with our mob mob golf. And I'm so glad you brought up the disc golfers code, right? Because like, if you care about disc golf, you should read that and try to, you know, emulate that whether it's casual or not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. For sure. And also um, the difference between casual and tournament that came up yesterday. We had uh, someone on our card first round who I think has only played a couple of tournaments or at least sanctioned tournaments. And so I, I noticed like, little things like that you actually you need to drop your your disc into the basket not just bang the chains yep or that at least like you need to have one or the other foot behind your mini Mm -hmm. you're just you can't have your body centered behind your mini just one or the other foot and I think at first she was a little taken aback I mean I think I I felt like I was pretty normal with it but yeah. i think because we were playing a really tough course and we were all feeling challenged right, she's sure. like okay got it <laughs> yeah. that, that's another thing to um 
consider, and uh, I know Liz has uh, suffered the consequences of <laughs> talking to me when I've just had a blow up hole and yep. I'm not in the mood to talk. So um, timing is also good, but you mm-hmm. know, like it. For she was playing in rec and we were on the uh, so one person in rec, three people on the intermediate card. Rec is a good opportunity to learn these kind of yeah. disc golf etiquette and rules, and I would say it's a general like a consensus, I guess, that uh, people in rec, okay, there are these rules. There, People are going to be more... They're still learning. Flexible and not as strict. I mean, we all still advocate and need to play by the rules, but a lot of times for rec players, it is an educational Mm -hmm. experience. So um, I guess where I'm going with this is... uh, it's good to educate people, but also knowing the right time yeah. to educate them right. uh, helps too. Because, and that's another thing to my point earlier is that people will get a de- defensive mm-hmm. if, if you don't and approach so, it the right way. Right. So and so yeah, and the, well, even if you do approach it the right <laughs> way, I mean, yeah, it's human nature. Like, oh, I don't really like being not right all the time. Uh-huh. And and and, <laughs> I, and and I think where I generally sort of draw the line is. If this is something that, like, it's it would otherwise be like a violation right. of some sort. Okay, we're we're not gonna like call somebody out and enforce it as if they were a professional player that should know. But I feel like it's important mm-hmm. to at least make them aware that it's a rule mm-hmm. as soon as you notice it, because if you continue right. to let them do it, then the next time they play, someone will. The next time they play, if someone notices it, they're going to say, well, I've done that before and nobody ever said anything. So I got a great example of this. So at GBO this year, um, I felt like I very politely informed someone that they were following following through over their putt. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, explain what that means. So when you are within um, 10 meters or 33 feet of the basket, that is when you are in like the official like putting range, which means that you have to demonstrate control of your body after you release the disc from your hand. And there's a lot that goes into the story. But um, so a lot of times, you know, people will jump putt or not even jump putt, but they just allow their body to continue moving past their So they step fly. through. They step through. And mm-hmm. so this was an instance of stepping through. But honest, uh, what you it, it actually does give you an advantage to continue right. the momentum. Right. And that's why there's the rule that, like, within this range, you need to... Within the circle, you need to show that you have balance established behind your life. So, uh, you know, after the hole is complete, we're walking to the next one. I didn't say it, like, in a loud or, you know, like, public way to where she would have felt like she was being put on blast. Mm -hmm. I thought. I said, hey, just so you know, you're following through over your putt. And she's like, what? And I'm like, you're not, you can't do that. You can't follow through. And she's like well, I think that you're just trying to be mean and intimidate me right now. And I said, and the, so I turned yeah. into the bad guy right. after that. And then, um, but you want to, and so, and then, yeah, I'm the bad guy. Nobody's talking to me, you know, like I, I'm the you're big, awful. I'm the big jerk because I'm trying to like educate someone on the rules. And so, yeah. Um, but anyway, so what hap- what made it worth it though 
is that she stopped doing it. (laughs) And so thank goodness now I didn't have to like feel like she was gaining an unfair advantage. But unfortunately, that's sometimes the consequence of Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, educating. And my, my general rule of thumb with that, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but this is just how I approach it, is that new player or not, if I feel like what the violation has given them a significant unfair advantage, I will call them in the moment and enforce the rule. If it's something that like, to your point, that putt thing, I would, I would enforce that rule on the spot. But if it's something where they are doing a footfall a couple times that, you know, they're barely stepping on their disc or like they flip their disc rather than using a mini or anything like that, that's really, it's a rule violation, but not giving them an advantage after holes completed. I'll be like, Hey, just so you know, I'm not going to call you on it, but somebody might call you on this on your card. Cause that's what was done for me. I had a number of people be like, Hey, just so you know, this will be called sometime. So you need to just be aware. Well, and that's what I tried to phrase it as too, but (laughs) I think, and then you just yeah. have to like accept the fact that they're going to do what they're going to do. And you brought up another point that I'd like to bring up. We actually had a really good conversation about this on the Slack channel, and there were kind of a variety of opinions about this. But something that I've stopped doing myself because I realized it bugged me <laughs> is like when people would make bad shots, I would still be like, oh, yeah, good shot. Or, oh, yeah, you know, here's a good thing and saying like positive things all the time. And I think you just have to know the people that you're playing with. And I think it's better to err on the side of if something bad happens, especially if you don't know the person, just be quiet. It's fine. Like you don't need to be like anything, (laughs) just nothing. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Like when I have a blow up, well, I just need time to get my emotions under control. And it's like, no matter what you say, it's going to be the wrong thing. And, and can I just play devil's advocate here? Yeah. Someone who has temper problems and also is deals, you know, a lot with um, mindfulness work yeah. is that the impetus is on you, right? So that's the 100%. thing you, you can't. 100%. You have to be. You have to temper. Quit being. Quit being. Pollyanna, or quit comment complimenting me, or quit whatever right. it might be, or oh, the, you know, I'm rattled because this person mm-hmm. is defend whatever it might be. Like you can only do you. Boo-boo. You can only change yourself. Yeah, you can only do fair. you, boo boo. <laughs> and so there comes a point where yeah. sometimes you have to kind of go because because I've been guilty of it, like somebody gets in my way or I don't ask somebody to move when I'm petting and I have ADD. And so then I like, then I feel like they're being there contributed when I should have just blah, blah. And then, so then I can get like a lot of people and it's, (laughs) I can go to all the deep psychological reasons that this exists in my life, but I can then start to get into like the blame game of like, what's other people's fault? What's my fault? And what I found is that that's just really unhelpful. Both in disc golf and in life. And I'm working on that like <laughs> like like um like a lot, like at work and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um my word of advice to anyone who's playing with me, I would I try my best to handle my emotions the best I sure. can. But after I have a blow up hole, please don't talk to me. <laughs> well, and I think it's harder sometimes as women because like we're expected to be all jovial and, and like happy. keep everything in check and smile and all of that and like I know I've thought at times, well, I don't want my card mates to think I'm mad at them. I just need a minute. Like, this isn't about you. This is about me getting myself under control right now. So um, I think there's just the more awareness of that is just going to be good for everybody. Being assertive and being upfront and saying, like, 
hey, I just need a minute. Yeah. Like, that's the other thing I think as human beings we just have to say, like, I'm having a, I'm having yeah. a vulnerable moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I, I try, um, like, at the beginning of a round to at least let people know I have ADHD. Right. Often I have my little sheet where I write down every disc that I throw so that I can keep accurate count of my scores, especially when things go amiss. Um, but also that if I'm ever, like, if I get ahead of you and I'm in your way, or if it's my turn and I don't realize it, please don't be shy. Just say, hey, Liz, get out of my way. Hey, Liz, it's your turn. Mm -hmm. Or something, I won't get offended because sometimes people, like, it can get uncomfortable or whatever. So I try to just give people permission ahead of time. Just say something and it's cool. And I probably, um, to... Anna's point she we've had good conversations so that I tried to to not say things yeah if if things go wrong I know I don't always succeed sometimes I forget (laughs) right but probably something else I should add to people is hey if I make a bad shot it's okay. I would rather that somebody say something than have crickets. Because for me, the crickets is <laughs> sure. when everybody's like, oh, my God, I can't believe the awful throw you just made. I'm just not going to say Well, anything. that's like that whole Slack channel discussion. Like, there wasn't consensus about no, it. You know? it's, it's tricky. Yeah, it's really everybody's, everybody's different. Yeah. And that's why you just have to know, like, it, it Know your audience. Yeah. I mean, this right. last, these last few Divas Leagues. Um, there's been a girl there that um, I hadn't met until recently, and she was like, oh, "I love playing with you guys. Everybody's so supportive." And you know, you know, and so I mean, you just don't really know. Yes, we're not we're not psychic, and you know, right? Sure. Um, one other thing I'll say too. I always try to tell everyone that sometimes I grip lock. <laughs> it's it's really embarrassing, but it's worse to frighten people on un- unex- decapitation. Yeah. No like, decapitation. So I try and yeah. and sometimes what happens people like stand where they think that they might be safe mm-hmm. and I try to like say, "Hey, just so you know, you're in the danger zone." Right. Um right. like it, you don't think that it's possible for my disc to fly that direction, but yep, it, it's happened. And uh, I've thrown it backwards two times in my life. Uh, I try to uh, hope, hopefully, never again. But um, uh, and then also back to the like the main uh, disc golf etiquette basics topic. Um, and I know pro- probably for most of the people that are listening to this, they're probably into disc golf. Right. So maybe this might be redundant. But maybe there's someone that's new to disc golf yeah. completely that might benefit from this but um you should always wait for the first the the person who is furthest away from the basket to throw before approaching your lie there's one near and dear person in my life where they will walk up in front of me and like stand by the basket or just wherever they please and i'd say could you please move and they're like no i'm fine you're fine I'm like, no, it's not fine. Like, yeah. that's not cool. It's so re- it's yeah. re- it's not cool on many different levels for safety reasons. Yeah. Like, if you're standing in front of where a person's throwing, they could hurt you. For a second reason, it's very distracting mm-hmm. um, to be in someone's visual line of sight, yes. and it, it's just kind of rude. Yep. Like, cause this is disc golf. We're talking disc golf etiquette. It's rude. Yeah. So, okay. And I think it all just comes down to awareness and, you know, it takes a little bit of 
extra effort, but if you can be aware of what you're doing, if you can be mindful of the other people on your card, and sometimes it's really hard the deeper you get into a tough round to make sure you're paying attention to who's out, you know, and everything that we've talked about, but you can alleviate so many of these things and just pay attention to, to the things you're excited about. And to, to Crispian's point, if you got a problem, speak up. Yep. Yeah. Communication is yes. very important. So, and like figuring out who's out, sometimes you do have to go, you might end up ahead of the person mm-hmm. who's right in the fairway because you don't know if your disc is right. up there sure. or back there. Yeah, so we all have, have some so flexibility. So about the aforementioned yeah. grip lock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, sometimes like we have some flexibility. Yeah. And someone may be out, but they may be on the other side of right. the long side of the basket. So well, and, and to like that, the same point, like tapping out before your turn because someone's approaching their lie to putt is okay if you ask. Yeah. And that's, you that's, just have to make sure you It says you it in the PDGA yep. rules, basically, throw an order unless blah, 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 with the permission of blah, blah, yeah. blah on your card yeah. mates, blah, blah, blah. I, I, will admit I, mean, that, <laughs> I will admit that's a pet peeve for me. Like, if I say, you can go, if you guys want to clear out, go ahead. But I don't, I personally, it just kind of annoys me if someone assumes, like, yes. that they can just walk up and put out, okay. like, when I'm obviously further mm-hmm. out. I, that Okay. <laughs> that's a really good talk. All right, let's move on to Crispian's topic, which I'm very excited about. Crispian. Um, so I just had, well, and, and I mean realistically, like we've kind of already talked on <laughs> a lot of this stuff. But since I don't, since I don't really want to play competitive disc golf mm. right now or for any foreseeable future, I will just say that you know relationships that you make through disc golf and kind of, you know, it was kind of just the the idea of like how important are those, and I would say that. Absolutely. You know, most people that we know have some significant friendships and bonds that are formed via disc golf. I mean, the whole, you know, story or the whole way that Anna and Liz and I, you know, got to be friends, you know, is is disc golf related. Anna and Mm -hmm. I met at the gym, but, you know, via disc golf because she heard me talking about it and Mm -hmm. she already played and heard me talking about playing and then you know, seeing Liz on Facebook and meeting Kruger first and saying, and then him being like, yeah, there's my girlfriend. You need to talk to her. And, you know, um, these two, you know, women have become, you know, my, you know, two of my very, very, very closest friends. So, you know, I just, um, it's interesting. Like I still have, you know, lots of friends outside of disc golf, but it is interesting how like, you know, it can be, um, it can be life changing, Mm -hmm. you know, on the flip side, just like anything in life, there's always going to be clicks and people that you mm-hmm. don't get along with. And, you know, Anna said something really nice to me when I took over Divas Women's League. I'm going to see if I can paraphrase her. She said that I was well organized mm-hmm. um, and that people like me or that I'm generally well liked or something like that. So like, I'll take that as a compliment. I know there's people that I'm not their cup of tea cause I'm loud or whatever, but You're an alpha chick. I'm, yeah. I'm wearing, <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt that Liz got me that says alpha chick. And when she gave it to me, I was like, I don't know. I don't know that I thought of myself that way, but okay. Um, but you know, um, Oh, and that I live right by the course. That was the other thing, yeah. but that's, you know, that's not a, character trait so you know i mean i, 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 think, would, um, it is I think i said that you're you're very friendly and outgoing yeah. and you like instantly are like making friends and mm-hmm. people just are naturally drawn to you because of your outgoing personality so i'm smiling right now well and <laughs> let's be honest making friends as an adult is incredibly hard it is so hard yeah and having something that you can share in common mm-hmm. is fantastic and and disc golf is that i think for 
probably not everybody that plays, but almost everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think we can, we or should we e- easily dismiss the social side of the sport? Because it is fantastic. I mean, some of the most competitive people that I know still value the relationships they've built through disc golf above, mm-hmm. you know, all else. And so it's, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I'm incredibly grateful for it. Like as much as I love playing sports and competing, friends are my favorite, you yeah. know, and this was yeah. a way for that to happen. And it's great. Do you know, um, what's interesting is, so, you know, I mean, you guys know, obviously, but I did the live scoring for yeah. MPO for men's open for the, the lead card for MPO That's for the, the Casey White open. open. Yeah. yeah. And it was interesting to watch um, Paul, and I think he had probably played with all those guys yeah. before that he played with both rounds. Um, but um, there, um, uh, Zachariah um, Johnson, mm-hmm. right, was there, and um, um, Cam Measureschmidt played the second round, and um, you know Chris Clemens yep. and um, uh, Andrew Presnell. Yeah. And, so, anyways, you know, there's all these people and. It was interesting to watch them, you know, because I was like all up in their business because <laughs> I'm trying to like make sure I get the right scores yeah. and, you know, get them. And I, I don't want to mess anybody's stats, you know, I mean, it's it's a pretty high intensity role. Um, and um, it was interesting to watch like the little bits of camaraderie yes. that you you see like that. Oh, maybe they like like even the second round Cam Schmidt wore his. um his uh, headphones a lot of the round. But nonetheless, him and Paul were like talking about rap music. Of course, yeah. I wanted to chime in because I'm older <laughs> than both of them and be like, let me tell you about some rap music, boys. Um, but anyways, it was really interesting to watch that and yeah. see like, here they are. This is, you know, I think we were in A tier. Yes. This year. Yeah, yes. I mean, you know, here we are at an A tier. And, and the number know, one player in the entire world. world. And this was the, the finals, world, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. it the final round? Yeah. Well, that was the final round. Cam yeah. Measurement and him, yeah. And, you know, and so it was just, it just was, you know, it was interesting to and watch it, that. It's so, so. funny because that was something I totally noticed too of just watching like Paul and Chris kind of joking around mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. you know, keeping it light. And it's like, I really enjoyed watching Paul play because he's very passionate and he cares about what he's doing. But he, I feel like he just recognizes that disc golf is cool and he's stoked about yeah. it. You know, well, like you know who I totally didn't to mention that with. played one of the two rounds that I yeah. like scored was um, Nico. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll just say Nico was was very passionate as <laughs> per you as per the you and the in the cadence of my friend Becca. Yes, that I stole from Ian uh, Anderson, but it's fine. Yeah. So, well, back to the the I think what the main point was mm-hmm. like just the fellowship that's uh, built in the community of disc golf or whatever. So, uh, when I moved to Kansas City uh, in 2013. I basically didn't have any friends the first year that I lived here. I had one uh, awesome friend that I had met at the gym, Barbie, redhead, personal trainer, Mormon, just superhuman being. Like, so she was really cool, but um, can't can't just rely on one friend. Yeah. She also, you know, had a big family sure. life or whatever. So um, I think that I missed finding out about the divas until the season was basically over at that point. So that's why I had to wait a whole year and mm. I'd been looking forward to it for so long because I was, I needed to find a way to get out and meet new people and meet friends. I think like up to that point in my life, I had always, you know, like had friends through 
uh, work or school or whatever. But for whatever reason, it was just a real big challenge for me to try to think of like creative ways to meet people. And so I will say that's one thing I'm really super duper thankful for about um, uh, Rhonda forming the Kansas City Disc Golf Divas is that that's how I met uh, a majority of my friends here in Kansas City initially. And so like I'm forever thankful for that. Yeah, and I, I want to bring up this point again, kind of to what you just said, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but if you're someone listening and you're like really excited about disc golf, but maybe you don't feel like these friendships have come for you yet, just give it a minute. Like it took a minute for me mm-hmm. too. like I would say it took about nine months to a year before I really felt comfortable, really felt like I had made like actual real friends because uh, with anything new, it can be a little uncomfortable at first. You know, everybody's feeling each other out, but I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And those friendships will come. You just got to sometimes give it a minute. I think what made a difference for um, for me and like, both Anna and Crispian, I feel like the way that we really bonded was for when we were practicing Mm -hmm. for tournaments. Like Anna and Mel and I were practicing for our first sanctioned tournament, which was the Midwest Amateur Championships, and going and playing Waterworks and Rosedale in these ridiculously long configurations. In August. (laughs) Right, and with like island rules and ropes Mm -hmm. and all sorts of things that were way harder than anything we'd ever dealt with. And it was like boot camp. Mm. Um, And then like playing through those two tough rounds, we all went through a lot of trials and tribulations since this was a new experience for all of us. And so that meant a lot to me and I've never forgotten it. And then um, Crispian and I were both going to play the old Settlers Open and I didn't know Prairie Center or um, Lakeside. But Crispian did, and so she offered to show me mm-hmm. and I think Anna and Kruger around the courses, and we went out and did that. And Well, you and I went out to Lakeside together, I remember, like right when we first met. It was just the two of us and really? talked about our families. I remember oh, yeah. walking up, talking about life stuff and family stuff and breaking our necks. Oh my. (laughs) Oh yeah. So anyways, but yeah, I mean, you know, and, 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 and to Becca's point too about, you know, that if they haven't, if these friendships haven't come, they will or whatever. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. like anything in life, like, you know, you are going to be closer with certain people Mm -hmm. than other people. Absolutely. For us, we're in such a huge geographic area that there are women that I love to see that I would spend more time with, but, you know, just distance wise and Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever. So we see each other at Mm -hmm. events and hug it out. And (laughs) it seems like, but it it really does seem like like the best bonding times are when you're not competing. I mean, competing you can, but the times that you'll get to know each other is going to be the off time Mm -hmm. because when you are competing, the last thing you want is like chit chat sure. and small talk. Right, yeah. And and that can, I guess that's something to be mindful of as well. Like yeah. you've met somebody who's really cool and you want to get to know them, but you just have to make it a point to, you know, wait right. either like when there's a backup or it's like, you know, I would love to talk to you. Like yes. when the round is over, right. let's make sure we have each oh, other's yeah. contact information. So yeah. just saying during non-tournament rounds, like when I'm out on the course, um, just having a casual round, I will spot a lady like, mm. you know, three fairways away and be like, hey, <laughs> have you gone to Divas League yet? It's on Mondays at Rosedale. 
I've been handing out cards. It's been pretty fun. Well, and I, I feel like the yelling method has really been working. <laughs> but like, let's be honest. I don't think a lot of people, if you are going to be sad that you take an interest in them, like maybe there'll be a small percentage that's just like, I don't like people. I am playing out here all by myself. Leave me alone. But that's like a very small percentage. Mostly people will be like, hey, someone noticed me. Someone cares. Well, and spotting a female disc golfer that you don't, spotting a female disc golfer that you don't already know in Kansas City, it's like, there's a unicorn. (laughs) Well, there's so many women that play, but you just don't see them at tournaments. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of women that like, oh, I met so-and-so and, you know, you talk to somebody who's been around forever and they're like, oh my God, they've been playing around here forever. They're just <laughs> right. never out, you know, yep. whatever. No, so. it's so true. Yeah. Um, I, I had a kind of a cool thing happen at Divas, which is so I've kind of made it a point with Divas League that I don't want men playing along with yeah. women. I, it's not that I obviously don't have anything wrong. So what I've been doing is saying like, there's a dude card, right. ghost us or play ahead of us, whatever, but have dudes play because then that really sets that tone of this yes. is our women's league. We want men out there to support. So glad to have male allies, you know, so on and so forth. And so I was talking to this girl who's just getting ready to tee off and I was, and her and her boyfriend were there and she, you could tell she was jock, you know, and I was handing her one of my little cards for Divas League. And um, he was like, so can guys play along too? And I was like, I was like, well, we have a dude card. I was like, right. my husband plays and there's other guys. He's like, dude card. I like that. And I was like, yeah. I said, well, I said, my, I said, my thing is this. I was like, I want to make it so that if women aren't necessarily comfortable playing right. around a lot of people that this is an opportunity for them to play with other women and he was like I like it I like it and she was like yeah you know and it was kind of cool to have like that turn people from oh I need my boyfriend as my security blanket to like you know oh I see what you're trying to do here and so anyways I just that was kind of a that's a good way to do it usually I'll tell if I'm talking to um a couple like that, um, a man and a woman, especially if he's kind of trying to convince her to come out and play. And I was like, oh, here, you need to talk to yeah. you need to talk to her. And I'll usually say, you know, until you play with other women, like that's when you find out that you're better than you think you are. Yes. Mm-hmm. I yes. used to say you don't suck as bad as you think. And since <laughs> then, then I've, I've sw- yes, I've made it more positive. Like, like it. then you find out you're better than you yeah. think you are. Right. Because so many of them, it's like it takes me through, it takes three of my throws right. to make one of theirs. And as soon as I say that, they're like, yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. All right. Really good talk, everybody. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, upcoming tournaments and events, and we'll do a quick recap of the D-Glow. And we're back. So there's a couple upcoming tournaments that I wanted to bring to everyone's awareness. The first is the Women Shoot the Mint at Independence Lake County Park in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. That's happening actually this upcoming Saturday, July 13th. And you can still register. And also they are looking for T-Sign sponsors. So you can reach out to Jen Trombley on Facebook for that. Um, I believe Mel Ring is also the tournament director. You can reach out to her. If there's any issue with that, just reach out to me. I'll get you connected to the right people. Now, y'all. I am stoked about something, and I am very excited to talk to you about this. So the weekend of August 3rd is, for one, the the Mid-America Open, yeah, which Mm -hmm. I think Liz is playing. Anna, are you playing this year? I think not because I'm on vacation the week before. Right on, right. No worries. Okay. But we've got uh, several A-tiers going on that are pulling some women. But that weekend, we have two 
all women B tiers happening Whee! across the country. Uh, the first is the Rocky Mountain Women's Disc Golf Championship, which I was planning on attending, and now I can't, and I'm very, very sad, but it's okay. Uh, and that is completely full. That's been full for a while. You can get you on the wait list, uh, but that is like full up, um, at least on the AM side. I think there's still some pro spots open, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's like 140 women or something crazy. Okay, but... Same weekend, Ladies at the Lake is happening in Ohio, and they're almost full too. So let's get Ladies at the Lake full. That would be awesome. And we can have two full all-women's B-tiers in the same weekend with competing A-tiers, which is just bananas. Wow. Like, that's Woo-hoo. that's crazy. Just really, really, really good stuff. Um, so yeah, shout out to ladies at the lake. We talked to Christy Moore last year about that tournament and I'm really excited that it's happening again. And I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful fall, fun time. And if for no other reason, there are free tacos at lunch, people like, <laughs> tacos. go for the disc golf, the tacos. <laughs> okay. So we'll do a quick recap of the big tournament that happened this weekend. The great lakes open and Paige Pierce, uh, dominated, quite a bit she won by 12 strokes Mm. and here's a fun fact so she had a average of a thousand rated over a thousand rated over all three rounds and that's the second disc golf pro tour event in a row that you can say that fact for because she also was over a thousand average at ledgestone she had two i think 1029 rated rounds and one 970 at ledgestone which is bananas So I think she's clearly the favorite going into the European Open and Worlds. um, But obviously there's Katrina Allen and lots of other fantastic players in FPO. And who knows what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, really, really cool to see. It definitely looked like um, some of her downtime that she's had has been really good for her, like off fishing in the mountains. And then uh, she played King of the Hill in Alaska. But she's really getting a lot of just cool time yeah. uh, when she's not playing and it just really yeah. seems to have rejuvenated her and that's just like bananas to me to go from illinois and win and then go to alaska and win and then come back to michigan like i couldn't do that but anyway so she's younger well, she, than all of true us. that, true <laughs> that. I, I became a Paige pierce fan when i uh was caddying for uh lisa fakus yeah uh during a kansas city wide open mm. a few years ago and uh, there's a backup, and she broke out the hacky sack. Right. And so I got to hacky sack <laughs> with Paige Pierce. And we also have uh, a karaoke date at, for GBO scheduled for next nice. year. I, so, <laughs> yes. Anyways, I think she's cool on and off the course. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And speaking of, so Paige Pierce uh, won by 12 strokes over Katrina Allen. Katrina took second. And then Lisa Fakus uh, took third. She's been Another coming cool on. Chick. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Lisa <laughs> is just the nicest and the coolest. Um, but she's really been coming on uh, this season. I think it took her a minute um, to get adjusted or whatever it was but she's been playing really great lately and it makes my heart very happy and then madison walker also been playing great lately she took fourth and jessica weiss took fifth and 35 women were in the field that was awesome by the way i'm have not been overall great at couples matchmaking i've tried (laughs) but i am good at other matchmaking like friend matchmaking and I think I, I would like to claim credit for 
matching Anna, the inn of a thrower, with Lisa Fick as the inn of a player <laughs> for the Kansas City Wide nice. Open. And it was a caddy match made in heaven. I dig. So dig. I love it. It was an awesome opportunity. Like, um, if you get a chance to caddy for a pro female, it's yes. like just such a rewarding experience on so many levels. I also got to caddy for Jennifer Allen because um, mm-hmm. I reached out to her on Messenger uh, and I said, hey, you know, you need a caddy for Wide Open. She's going to play Big Blue. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I haven't ever played Big Blue because it sounds really intimidating. Um, but, you know, uh, who would be a better tour guide yeah. to, than Jennifer Allen? <laughs> <laughs> So it was kind of uh, self-motivated for yeah. that reason, but also, I, well, and then I got to learn more things about disc golf etiquette, it, yeah. like caddy etiquette, that, right. that on next week's podcast. <laughs> and, 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 and since a lot of people travel with their own caddies, yeah. or people always want to volunteer to be caddies, don't forget to volunteer to be a spotter. <laughs> <laughs> Still get a, a pro Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Words. <laughs> All right, and that's our show. Now to one of our favorite segments, shout-outs. All right, Crispian, what you got? Uh, As always, I shout-out to my husband, Matt Jenkins, because I love him. And uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to the Kansas City Sculpt Divas, of course, and I'd also like to give a shout-out to the the glossy ladies of the Northlands. Um, so they are basically, um, they're not a club. They're just the, the gorgeous ladies of send it disc golf. Um, and they do a league in the Northland on Wednesdays. Yes. And so we're trying to, um, expand the reach of the, of the disc golf divas around the city. Um, and so, yeah, so shout out to, to that, uh, group of women yeah. as well. Awesome. Anna, what you got? Well, uh, I know this isn't just a Kansas City podcast, but I guess the shout out will go to all the TDs out there, I yes. guess. Um, but we are very fortunate to have um, currently, I'm thinking Rob Martin because yes. of Crestview Cup that I played this weekend. He always just runs top notch events and, you know, very prepared, well thought out and uh, always appreciate a TD who knows what he's doing, but then also all the TDs that and s- volunteers, everyone that helped make the Kansas City Wide Open happen. You know, it takes a, a village, I guess, to <laughs> to make a, a a national. Well, I guess it was a national tour, but still a big A-tier. a big A tier disc golf event happened. So yeah, to uh, Jerry Patterson. Chris Timko, Michael Kruger, and everybody else on the KCFDC, and um, yeah, every, everyone involved. Thank you all so much for making that happen. How about you, Liz? Thanks to everyone that I've played with lately. Um, it's I haven't really been very focused. I think this year, and so it's been. I've had very enjoyable experiences. Um, every time and that it really helps a lot especially when things aren't going well and I don't remember like how to throw discs and I get frustrated Mm -hmm. um but and and my husband who is constantly battling my inertia um (laughs) Friday afternoon when he came home he sort of gently suggested that I might want to come along with him to go throw discs mm-hmm. in the park. And we just went and did field work and he didn't mm-hmm. even like push it, but I knew, okay, 
this would be good for me. I should get up, get out and do it. And so I did. And I didn't have any putting practice before the tournament on Saturday, Mm -hmm. other than what I did right beforehand, but just going and like, I think my upshots helped me a fair number of times Mm -hmm. on Saturday. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful to him for not letting me get into the rut sometimes. Oh, and I think I already gave the shout-outs earlier, so you can cut this off <laughs> if it's too many shouts. Mark Miller and yeah. Jeremy Cates saved yes. my round <laughs> on Saturday. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, but and and again, and thank you, Becca, for for doing the podcast and really growing awareness of women's disc golf because you're doing great things. Thank you. Yes, you thank you, job. Becca. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Ladies of the Chains podcast. Thank you, as always, to DZ Discs. Visit dzdiscs.com, where the disc you see is the disc you get. We love hearing from our listeners. Reach out to us on social media or ladiesofthechains at gmail.com. Have a great week. Play some disc golf, and we'll catch you here next time on the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. Disc Golf Podcast.